Welcome to the How to Code Well podcast, a show all about web development and programming. My name is Peter Fisher. I am a freelance web and mobile applications developer. Hello, coders. Today we're going to be talking about developer relations. And I'm joined by Adam Argyle, who is a CSS developer relations dude at Google Chrome. Hi, Adam. How's it going? It's well. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, you had a good week? I've had a good week. I've uh, got a lot of stuff done. Uh, kids are happy. Uh, you know, a, a new Harry Potter game came out. I'm, I'm <laughs> casting spells. I'm, it's a good week. It's a good week. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. So today we're going to be talking about developer relations, but before we get into that, let's talk about your background. How did you get into web development? Web development. Um, I was, uh, hacking on computers back in the day. So I kind of got in, I suppose you could say through networking and, um, hardware. Mm-hmm. So I was building custom computers with friends. And we would network them together to play Worms Armageddon and Warcraft (laughs) One. Just some, I mean, weird kids just doing stuff that made us happy. Um, And kind of later, uh, I I got into HTML and CSS really early. We had this like zero hour class at my junior high. Mm -hmm. Um, But I always did Adobe apps, and then I was always writing code. So I was very much a Dreamweaver user, like back in the day. Anyway, I managed the internet at the school. I was super nerdy. I was getting really into programming. I was hand making GIFs. Nice. I was like frame by frame building. I remember showing a science teacher. I was like, look, I made the moon <laughs> rise. And it was like, <laughs> how did you make pixels on the screen move? And I was like, frame by frame. Anyway. Awesome. Um, but then it was so uncool to do uh, programming that I stopped. And I stopped for maybe four or five years. And I got into all these other jobs. I got into sales jobs. I graduated, you know, and I like... Anyway, mm. somebody eventually said, hey, do you do any programming? And I was like, yeah, sure. And they're like, I got this site. If you can fix my site, it's broken. If you can fix it, I'll give you 300 bucks. And I was like, dude, 300 bucks is a lot of money. <laughs> so, um, in, you know, in my pajama pants at home, I spent a weekend, fixed the bug, and it was a flash bug. I didn't even know what flash was. Anyway, I fixed it. They gave me 300 bucks, and I was like, I am changing careers Sweet. I was like, I just yeah. made 300 bucks this weekend and all I did was sit in my underwear and like change some lines of code. It was a piece of cake. Uh, so I went back to school and I went back to uh, a community college for uh, web um, web scripting and database administration. Right. I wrote Java and PHP right. uh, and then a little bit of Flash. And by the time I graduated, uh, I was not the smart one. Everyone else seemed to know how to program. It was really frustrating. Everyone was like, Java is easy. And they're writing all this Java and I wrote checkers and like some other interesting apps. And, um, but what I noticed the most was that I cared about how it looked. Right. What I made needed to look nice. And other people just didn't care. They were like, no, nah, I did the math. Like, look, 10 <laughs> is there in the, and I was like, yeah, but you could have made it easy to read. You made it all hard to read. Anyway, uh, I switched schools. So I, I finished a web scripting and database, uh, uh, studies, mm. which is very computer science-y as well as database normalization and just database management and went to design school and studied interactive media, web design and interactive media, where I, uh, I skipped out of all the programming classes in the course and just focused on After Effects, mm. 3D modeling with Maya, um, video editing, uh, animation core principles, hand-drawn animation, like the whole nine. I just went nuts and like mm. interactive media and typography studies. It's very graphic design and animation focused. And then the whole time I was in that, um, that college degree. So that was a bachelor's degree. The whole time I was working at an agency. Wow. I'd gotten a job at a, um, action sports DVD distribution company where I was managing their website and their <laughs> database and their, their emails and the inventory and the whole nine. And then I switched to an agency where I was building apps and we were building flash apps and web apps and blah, blah, blah. And I eventually became the, you know, I graduated. And by the time I graduated, I was a senior web developer because I'd led so many projects at the agency. Uh, I don't know where else you want me to take this story, but that's pretty much like the, the end of school. Mm, mm. You know, I have all the pieces of paper that prove I can do the work. Yeah. Uh, I have a portfolio and I have things to show. Yeah. And then. Uh, yeah, there's more career history after that. So, but that's essentially the, yeah, the groundwork. So, so that's, that sounds awesome. You've had all, a very varied, um, varied 
experience with with all sorts of different technologies and different things. That sounds cool. How did that lead on to working at Google? So it led to working at Google. This was it. I applied to Google three times. So pretty much where we ended the story, um, I'd been at the agency for about four years um, and I applied to Google. I was like, I could go build stuff at Google. I've built a lot of stuff at this point. I was like, I feel good about where I'm at. Yeah, yeah. You never heard back. <laughs> um, I think I applied to like a UX design role or something way back then. Um, and then I waited a few more years. I applied again. This was after the startup that I was at um, went under. And I had I basically had scaled my skills to the cloud now. Mm-hmm. So now at the startup, I was managing um, virtual environments. I was spinning up local development environments. We had anyway, it was just all container based. And mm-hmm. it was AWS back when AWS was young. And I was like, I've got. Now I've got front end skills and I've got like full on back end skills. I'm like, I'm going to go apply to Google. I didn't hear back. <laughs> um, but, I, you know, I'm still employable, so it's no big deal. Um, then I was at another company where I became a front end lead and, and you know, just building more apps at a different agency. Now, this was more of a consultancy mm. and I'd been there for almost four years. I was kicking butt. I was like product lead. I was design lead. I was like doing all this leadership stuff. And and I don't tend to like leadership stuff. Right. Um, I, I tend to get it because I'm confident enough and I'm articulate enough that I can go share and help people. Mm-hmm. And and that was really my favorite part about being a lead was sitting down like with a junior and like, yeah, let's animate that thing. Like you got the UI done, but that's now it's the fun part. Like, mm-hmm. let's polish it and let's mm-hmm. animate it. Um, it'll yeah. only take us a minute. It's really cool. <laughs> and um, so I liked the teaching side of things. And I applied again to Google, this time with a uh, referral. So this is probably the clutch moment of the mm. third application that I had is this referral. The referral, you know, this is an internal person saying, I'll, I'll vouch for this individual. Okay which is no guarantee, mm. um, but it does give you an advantage. Right. Of course. I mean, how could it not, right? Yeah, yeah, internal yeah. Re- internal references are always way bigger than, at least in, in, historically in companies I've worked at. I don't mm. really know exactly how much impact it has at Google, but I know that was, mm. that was a factor. And so um, I applied, and this time I applied to a U- UX engineer role on Google Cloud. Mm-hmm. And this was a UX engineer role with a design lens. So it was kind of like design focused. <laughs> yeah. And um, went through all the interviews. So the interviews were really technical, um, not design oriented as much as I would have liked. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, there was a take home test that I feel like I just crushed. And that's why I think I got the job. I think I got the job because the take home exam, um, I felt I just nailed it. I did mm-hmm. Very well-rounded work on awesome. it. Awesome. Awesome. I applaud your persistence uh, for, for applying to the same company. I mean, I know Google's huge, but for the, to the same thing uh, for three times. W- w- was, it, um, was it three different job types or was it all? Yeah, it was. Uh, they were all UI related though. Right, right. Like my passion and my what I really like doing is building the interface. Mm. Um and with any framework, any tools, any environment, I just don't care. I want to deliver something that is tangible mm-hmm. and delightful. Mm-hmm. Um, that sounds and good. And that's the UI layer. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds good. So w- what was it about Google that um, that sort of like, uh, you know, d- drove you to that? I mean, what 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 is it with Google that um, made you feel like that was the place that you wanted to, you know, call yourself, call home? Yeah, it's a good question. Um so I'd been at pretty much everywhere else in terms of like genres of mm. careers. Mm. Um, I was at a small agency that was 10 people that mm. it, it grew to 150. So I got to see it go from small okay. to medium, which um, taught me so much, just so much, just knowing what the small and the medium was. Then I was at a startup, which taught me a ton. And then I was at a consultancy that had hundreds of thousands of people um, that taught me a ton. And what I hadn't really been at was a, a 
product company that was as big as Google. And what brought me to it was the attention to detail, the desire for uh, high quality. And this, these are things that agencies tend to, they tend to wear you down and get really annoying. It's like you're rapidly building so much. This is freelance too. You're mm, rapidly building mm. so much under these stupid timelines mm. that um, you can't deliver good stuff. No. And it gets frustrating because you 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 know how to do it. Mm-hmm. You know what you need to do. Just nobody's giving you the time. And, and so oh, I, I left that. I hear that. <laughs> out of a little bit of frustration. So yeah, I was, I was hoping that Google was going to spend the time and do the work and, and do all the things that a company without the money can't do. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I hear and that. in a lot of ways they deliver. Yeah. I definitely agree with that. I, um, I'm a freelancer. So, uh, yeah, I, I completely feel that pain <laughs> in, in, a, in, yeah. in some of the things I do, I should say. Uh, but yes, <laughs> I get where you're coming from. So yeah. um, we've talked about how you got the job and we've talked about Google compared to other companies, but um, is there is there any advice that you can give to any junior developers right now who are, or, or doesn't have to be junior, it could be senior, or it could be anyone getting into the industry, any advice on get, you know applying to, to Google? Is there anything you could throw in their way? Yeah, for specifically applying to Google, yeah, there's, yeah. Um, there's a measurement that they call Googliness, and it's not a joke. <laughs> And Googliness has been defined in many ways. It's sort of a difficult thing to define. One of my favorite definitions, um, which also doesn't, so again, this doesn't include the full definition of Googliness, is that um, that person at the party that's way too articulate and excited and smart and it annoys you. Right. They're being Googly. They're just, <laughs> you're just like, ah, you, you, how are you so excited about graph theory? Like that's annoying. Right. <laughs> right? So like anybody that can kind of like come to the table and just be themselves and, and, um, and you don't have to be outgoing. It's just yeah. this concept of, um, I don't know. Anyway, another way to call it is just don't be a jerk. Don't be a punk. Be a empathetic, mindful, sensitive, in tuned individual that's listening and just wants to do well. Mm-hmm. Um, awesome. I don't know. It's, it's a metric that they use. They, they, Judge you on it every step of the way. Right. And it's usually, it, it's a personality thing. And it doesn't necessarily have to do with introvert or extrovert. There's tons of introverts at Google. So it's not like you need to be outgoing in order to be Googly. It's, and so here's, here's the tip then is that, is be yourself. In order to achieve Googliness, in my opinion, I don't think you can fake it. I don't think you can fake it. I think right. what they're looking for is genuine, um, a genuine representation of you. And the, and the more you're comfortable with the mm-hmm. genuine you, I think the more Googly you'll appear. Um, yeah. So anyway, if you're applying to Google, very much be loose and be yourself. It's very easy to wind yourself up, be really concerned, try mm-hmm. to augment. And I'd say don't do that. They yeah. want you as you are, uh, which is one of Google's best traits. Yeah. That's, that's Yeah. I like that. I, 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 I like the, the genuineness. That's nice. That's nice. I, I ask this question a lot when I, when I have people on the podcast and genuineness is a nice one to, a nice trait to look for. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, so let's, let's move on to, to your current, your role at the moment, your developer relations at, in the CSS department of Google Chrome, right? Is that, is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. So. In a nutshell, what is development relations? In a nutshell, it is um, you should be the wind beneath the wings of a community. So um, you can be relations to any type of community, a developer relations being something you're focusing on engineers, mm. um, which even isn't as specific as it sounds like you can help. Um, as developer relations, you can help companies, you can help project managers, you can help designers, you can help QA. Like sometimes you are specifically sent to help um, an instance at a company, like they're having a problem and they'll mm-hmm. they'll be like, Google, uh, <laughs> hi, we're Pinterest and we're having an interest w- or we're having a, a problem with our pull to refresh. Would you kindly send a, an expert to help us with this? We'd like the web to look as good as it can be, but we are struggling. And we can send people on site, very consultant style, right? 
Um, and that's one way that you can be developer relations. Another way is speaking. So um, speaking is a requirement of a Chrome developer relations individual, uh, though you're not required to do something that's going to stress you out because we also have internal things to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, and then making learning material in any kind of way that um, you feel is appropriate. So I, I'm tasked with CSS developer relations. And to me, that means I need to make material that helps people write better CSS, understand CSS better, mm-hmm. um, uh, and all the things that kind of come with that. Yeah, just make it look yeah. fun for me. My main thing is I have so much fun building UI. I just want you to have fun building UI. <laughs> so it's like whatever I Pretty can good. do to get you excited, that to me is the that's a, the most important message I can deliver mm-hmm. is be excited and and stay excited. Keep the momentum of coding. Um, yeah. So can you give like a, an example of what a typical day is like for, for you? For me? Yeah. So yeah, this is funny too. I can tell you what I thought it was going to be. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Outside, do that. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Cause I, I've been a developer relations fanboy for a long time. I was just a big fan of Paul <laughs> Lewis, a big fan of just all these cats um, and from the outside, you're like, oh, they must have the coolest job. They just sit down at their desk and go, hmm, what would be fun to build today? I would like to just build an experiment. Let <laughs> me just peruse the web. Oh, there's a little hipster thing happening today. How about I go build a little hipster demo-y thing? Um, and it's so casual and relaxed. And Oh, maybe I'll go write a little bit of a talk today. This is so, so easy. Um, <laughs> I'm finding it's very busy um, because of all the things listed. So there's talks. I could even just like go through my list here, but I'm in the CSS working group. So I'm helping the CSS spec move forward. I'm, mm-hmm. I've got my own proposals where I'm trying to help CSS grow. Awesome. I'm trying to help CSS grow externally. So uh, in the community, in the public side, I'm helping it grow internally. So there's CSS scale issues inside of Google. Right. And I'm in contact with those folks trying to help them out. Um, there's talks that I'm writing. So I have three talks that I need to write. Uh, I just need to round out the slides. Really, I have the slides. I just need to design them. I've got my tool Visbug that I'm working on, which is like a, a visual, um, it's like developer tools, but for designers. And so they can go to any website and have familiar tools. Mm. Um, I have articles I'm writing for new CSS coming out in Chrome. I have articles I'm writing on layout to teach people how to build intrinsic layout. I have all these other engagements. So mm. I am super busy. Mm. Um, it's almost sort of um, a bummer how busy I am because it's there's so much I want to make. There's so much I would like to create all this wind I want to make to be beneath your wings. Um, but I have so many different things asking for my time. So uh, I end up doing a lot of time management and time boxing to make sure that, that I can accomplish little things, but, uh, it's a lot of work. There's anywhere from podcasts to videos, to articles, to, um, internal articles to, um, yeah, the list kind of goes on. Yeah. It's, it sounds like you've got a lot but, of, a lot of things, a lot of, uh, different, you know, cogs in that wheel that you're keeping spinning. A lot of plates to spin. <laughs> a lot of plates to spin. Yeah, I yeah. thought it was just going to be a couple. Uh, it's a lot. Also, this is partly my fault. So not all DevRel are this um, swamped. Okay. They have done a better job at protecting themselves, and they say no to more things than me. And I'm just uh, I'm just so excited. I say yes to stuff. And I'm new. I'm, like, still relatively new. So I'm like, oh, you need help? I'll help you. <laughs> hey, you need help? I'll help you. And other dev role are like, yeah, I'm not helping you because I can barely <laughs> do my own stuff. Uh, it's all oh. figured out. I'm still uh, still getting my sea legs. Right. Yeah. How, how long have you been doing doing this? What's the, how long in, in this position have you been working? Six months. Six yeah, months. It's like half a year. And have you, have you been in other, other departments, uh, doing, yeah, uh, so doing I spent other roles? a full year on Google cloud as a UX engineer on the design systems team. Huh? Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. um, was that your first, uh, introduction into working for Google? It was, yeah, yeah, and it was nice. Large scale team building on a humongous product. It's nice. Yeah, yeah. I bet. Can I ask what the what the differences are between your current schedule is between uh, what you're doing now and what you did then? Yeah, when I was a UX engineer on Google Cloud, um, I had more I had more meetings with local teammates. Mm-hmm. So whereas now I have more remote meetings. Um, those local meetings were much more focused. So I was on, you know, we, we, our goal was to, um, 
synthesize the well just kind of taking all the information from pm qa ux research ux writing ux design and engineering and mm-hmm. we sat in the middle and we kind of helped glue it all together right um and create proto so whether or not that was creating a tool to empower other people creating a prototype to unlock whether or not something was right or wrong mm-hmm. uh, prototype to go take to user testing um and those days were generally full writing code, building prototypes, and helping out design and PM. Cool. And my role now is uh, I do a lot of listening and going to meetings to um, help CSS grow in a much more uh, communal way. So there's it's almost like my team grew uh, and distributed. Right. <laughs> so that's like the best way to describe it. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Grew and distributed. Nice. So, uh, what 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 uh, what drew you to be uh, developer relations? What was the thing that uh, turned you on on that compared to uh, working on the the cloud platform? Yeah. The so the opportunity was presented to me because of Visbug, the um, design debugging tool that I made, mm-hmm. and the reason that that unlocked this opportunity was that I was I was trying to convince Chrome. So I'd built this prototype and I was talking to Chrome people like, hey, the, the, the dev tools are phenomenal. I'm a huge fan. But there's a whole bunch of people that that's like popping the hood open on an F1 car and they're just not going to, you know, you can be like, you can change the color of the, of the Lamborghini if you just pop the hood and reach under the engine and tweak this little thing right here. It'll change the hue. <laughs> and you're like, the designer's like... I'm not popping the hood. Uh, it's <laughs> like, I mean, I might pop it, but when I look in there, I'm just not interested. Yeah. And so uh, I was like, you need to make tools oriented towards this whole other side of folks. Um, and while I was explaining that to them and showing them the the prototype, they were like, hey, you're, um, you're kind of fun to listen to. And um, you know CSS a lot and you know our dev tools a lot. Hey, why don't you just come join Chrome? <laughs> and I was like, oh. What? That's like, uh, that sounded so far away from me. I was like, Chrome, I can't. Okay. Um, And they were like, we've got a a UX role open on the DevTools team, or we've had this CSS DevRel role open for a long time, and we don't know who's going to do it. Um, It's kind of just been chilling. And I was like, I'll do it. I'll do that. (laughs) And And so then this is the kind of swift answer for you is that, I have been waiting for a UI-focused DevRel individual for a long time. Right. I've, there's been some, or, or UI was a result of what they did, but I don't think that was their full passion. Mm. And I wanted someone to sit down and just be like, let's bang out <laughs> HTML and CSS because it's fun. You know, look at me, blah, blah, blah. I'll build this whole card in five minutes, you know, poof. And it just is gorgeous. Um, I was like, where's the DevRel doing that? Because we got you know, 15 of them doing it for JavaScript. Like where's, um, mm. and so that's why I took it. I took it cause it was some, it was a role I was waiting for somebody else to do. No one was doing it. I felt like I, since I had expectations of the role that I, I knew, like I knew what I wanted from the person doing it. And mm. I was like, well then I'll just go do it. Cause I'm assuming there's other people that want that from somebody <laughs> too. So that's why I accepted uh, that one. That sounds good. I wasn't, I wasn't yeah. really looking <clears throat> It, it was more that I'd built a tool um, because I will again. So maybe this is another thing is I wanted to empower designers on the web to, mm. to be able to use their same strategies they use in a design tool on a web page. And I suppose that's kind of dev rally. Mm. Um, it sounds like that was a, ver- a very natural transition. Yeah. yeah. It's like empowering other people. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Um, Okay, so do you have any um, DevRel stories that you can share in terms of you know things that you've 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 done or empowered or or things that you've built that um, has helped other teams out or something like that? Sure. Um, yeah, DevRel is kind of funny where you can you could write an article that feels real innocent and it ends up just like blowing up, right? And it turns out that your little idea that you had about some like it's it's usually a performance article these days like you write an article it's like hey i got this little performance tip and all of a sudden people go holy crap that performance <laughs> tip is amazing <laughs> and like and then everything blows up and and this is where you as developer relations can have this influence that's 
that this is why companies are paying so much money for DevRel. Like Gatsby is a new uh, tool that's come out and it's weird. I think they have less than 10 people on the team or they did at one point, but they had DevRel really early on. And that to me was a signal of how much value DevRel can provide because consider this, you write docs and then who's going to read your docs? Mm. like a, a dev is, but you miss a whole ton mm. of people. If you have someone specifically on engagement of your docs and showing you how to do it, that's marketing times infinity. This is like mm-hmm. um, um, a testimonial style um, marketer that's just showing people how to use your your technology and your mm. IP. It's really interesting. Yeah. Um, so the, the stories are just kind of summed up as, um, these are good hearted folks that don't really ever know what's going to hit or not. Their goal is to just continue lifting and they'll, and they're going to continue lifting whether or not their article is, is number one or, you know, number 1000. Yeah. Um, yeah. What, 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 um, what in, uh, motivates you to, to do all of this? What's the thing that's, that's driving this? I have personal motivations. They're kind of, I'm, I'm assuming a little different than other people's, but um, I really like, so coding has changed my brain in a couple of really interesting ways. And one of the best ways is a confidence level in doing complex things. Mm-hmm. You know, ask me before I was a developer to go change, um, uh, something electrical in my house and I wouldn't have done it. Mm. You ask me today and I'm like, Oh yeah, I'll do it. Uh, <laughs> I can figure that out. It's like no big deal. I'll just make sure to turn off the circuit breaker and, uh, it'll be all good. Um, and so I've gained all this confidence through engineering that nothing, pretty much nothing in the world is as complicated as code can get. So it's like, okay, well, if I can like wrangle some of this really crazy code here, I could probably wrangle some other things in the real world. So that's a huge motivation for me is yeah. like helping people feel, um, empowered enough and, and they get in a flow with coding that it becomes this like really empowering attribute of yourself, not even in your career. Cause I think being a good coder is like powerful enough in your mm-hmm. career. Mm-hmm. Um, but how it can trickle into the rest of your life. And so I'm really motivated by, uh, empowering people, um, and just being excited. Like I, I think it's really, it's super exciting writing yeah. code, especially on the web. Well, really writing code anywhere. And so I want to help people write more code. And when I'm like, the only code you should be ashamed of writing is the code you didn't write. Write code. all, And and, and that's all you need to do to get better. You'll find flows. You'll find interests. And so I just want to um, help share Mm. this empowerment and this excitement and this joy and um, get more people into the industry to, to continue. Yeah. Oh, I definitely agree with that. Yeah. That's all good stuff. All good stuff. Um, okay, let's let's move into the uh, the old cascading style sheets and and, and start lifting the hood on that. Yeah. Um, so, CSS has obviously changed wildly um, in in a very short space of time, in my opinion. Um, I was just wondering, what do you think? CSS is in terms of a programming language. Is it a programming language in your opinion, or I mean, or is yeah, it- right off the bat, I'd say yes. I'm yeah. writing instructions. The instructions get interpreted, then they get executed. There's a flow. There's loops. I mean, it's like every primitive that you need is there. The I think the biggest question is 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 a declarative language a programming language? Mm. If all you're describing is what and you're not describing how, I think that's where people's biggest question lies they're like well if you're not telling you how to do it are you really writing code (laughs) and i'm like well yes i am because if i show this to anybody else they don't understand it but the computer can and the computer makes this into something really cool has it Um, has has it i mean it's uh as i mentioned earlier it it has grown and matured a lot has it always been a programming language by the standards i previously described yes um but i agree that once SAS came in, once there was proper loops and not just um, recursion. Mm. So, you know, this is something people don't think about with CSS all the time is if you do P space P, you're finding every paragraph and a 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 paragraph. And, a paragraph and, a paragraph and, a, 
but it's yeah. so easy to write, right? Yeah. And like if you were to write that in JavaScript, that recursion gets really heavy and describing how that works is a lot of code. Mm-hmm. CSS makes it look like child's play. Mm. So there's a, there's, there's like a power hidden behind the subtle, you know, gesture that you write. You're like, ah, oh, move that box 10 pixels and you like barely <laughs> do anything. And it has this massive impact. Um, yeah. but yeah, as it, as we've gotten more complex, um, with reactivity, with loops, with, um, color functions, mm. just really dynamic and rich powers, mm-hmm. um, it's becoming more and more of a maybe traditional programming language that someone thinks of like a scripting language. Maybe yeah. that's what people really want to ask is, is CSS a scripting language? I'd be like, mm, no. Is it a programming language? Hell yeah. I mean, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, anyway, that's where I stand, but I awesome. Know. Awesome. Um, what, what do you think is, is, um, on the horizon of CSS? Where, what's the thing that's, um, you're most excited about? The things I'm most excited about in CSS that's coming out. <sighs> um, grid has been monumental in terms of the way that I think about layout. Mm. Um, and maybe, maybe layout is, Um, layout is something I see us struggling with a lot. Still, we have components, uh, which are like the bricks Mm. and nobody really talks about the mortar very much. They're all like, Oh man, I got bricks. Look, I got a pile of them. I just (laughs) downloaded them from NPM. They're super rad. And you're like, okay, well, what are you going to build with the bricks? Yeah. Uh, I have something cool. And I'm like, all right, what are you going to use for your mortar? And, and how are you going to, and then it's just like, I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> um, so I'm really excited about layout and, and specifically in terms of layout, I'm still exploring and in love with intrinsic layout, this concept of, um, letting my content speak for itself and thinking about my content in a much more rich way. And I've been comparing it recently to, um, yourself. Now you have intrinsic sizing, um, naturally, right? If you and I stood next to each other, we have a different height, mm. we have a different width we also have um, different lengths in our arms. Like we can get really micro about it. Like if you think about your arm, like I'll just hold mine out, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's certain parts of my arm that are flexible. Almost like think about each joint is a space in a word in like a sentence. Yeah. You don't really want to break the bone, but you you're okay breaking at the the joints, right? They're just like they're those are okay to flex. Sure. And so um, like your content has these mins and maxes, the maximum being the largest the content could ever be. So if you have an image, it's its natural width, Yeah. right? You're, you're not telling it what to do. You're, you're just saying, uh, hey, be in this space. And it's like, well, I need to be this big. <laughs> and you're like, okay, that's cool. I'm listening to you. You're intrinsic. You tell me your value and I'll just put you somewhere. Um, and, and like a sentence has its max uh, content is as long as the sentence is. So it'll just keep going forever. But its min content would be its longest word. So right. you can never break it smaller than that word. So these are just like really, really interesting properties of the elements that you lay out. Yeah. And I'm having a whole lot of fun um, leaning into the concept of intrinsic. And the things that I get back are uh, left to right, never breaks, uh, bottom to top, never break. Um, I'll never have overflow issues. Um, there's all these like things that get solved once I'm not squishing my content <laughs> into boxes, once I'm just... Um, orchestrating my boxes, but letting the boxes be decently self-sized. So I see a lot of CSS over the next few years going to be moving towards this content-centric intrinsic design. Um, But in terms of like CSS, exciting stuff that's coming out, Houdini is by far the coolest thing coming out. Like that is just going to just game change everything. It's so rad. <laughs> just like, yeah, that's very exciting. Can Houdini. you, can you talk about that a little bit more as in what, what are the things of Houdini, which are going to change the game? Yeah, sure. So Houdini sip of my coffee is kind of like, uh, right now you can't teach CSS new tricks, right? You have to wait for the browser engine. Cause the whole, the whole, the whole rendering engine that CSS works, is just untouchable to you. Mm-hmm. And so what we usually do is we write some JavaScript and we go, cool, engine, I see you over there. You only really read CSS and I've got some stuff that you can't do and I need to grab the reins. And so we write JavaScript. 
Mm-hmm. And we write JavaScript, we create our own loops, and we do all this work, and we get really crazy with it. Um, and then what we do is we have to wait for the page to load, we have to get our script, we have to go grab all the elements, do all the calculations, and paint them again. Mm-hmm. And all of this is outside of the life cycle of the browser, which means it's slower, right. and it's um, more harmful. You're sort of shoving and shiving in some um, functionality that it's you can't teach it, so you have to continually only layer on top of what it does. Mm-hmm. Your only opportunity is to wait for it to finish and then go fix it. Yeah, yeah. So Houdini is this opportunity for you to be a part of the CSS rendering engine. This is you being included. This is, in fact, the browser saying, hey, I read this little name, um, and it's called Peter Fisher. And I don't really know what the Peter Fisher property does, but I've got some values here. And, oh, hey, look, there's a function. Somebody registered a function that is interested in the values of this property. Well, you know what? I'm Houdini, uh, you know, ready now. So I'm going to go ahead and call that function during my native render cycle, mm. give you the properties, and expect some drawables back. And I'll draw those to the screen for you. Wow. Yeah. Um, and it comes in three flavors, but that's ultimately it. It's you being included in the render um, pass, you having an opportunity to teach it a new trick um, and not be after everything's done, but be included. And so anyway, that, that's a good high-level one, but it gets more specific after that. Yeah, yeah. sure, sure. That, so that's going to have uh, tremendous performance gains, right? I mean, especially on yep. mo- mobile when you're, you know, you're, you're on a, a, a really poor connection. Um, and you, you've got half a page rendered. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So performance would be awesome with that. Performance. Um, you can teach, uh, you can teach the browser how to lay out something new like masonry. Mm-hmm. Um, you can teach it to make sparkle borders. I mean, the, you can sort of go nuts in a performant way. Yeah. Oh, I'm digging that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah digging that. Um, do you think that the, I mean, we touched on mobile just a minute ago. Do you think mobile is the driving force of uh, the innovation in the CSS world? Or, or do you think it's still firmly in the desktop land? Hmm. It's a good question. I, I believe, or at least from what I see, is that applications are driving a lot of the platform moving forward. So a lot of new features coming out are are native application competitive type of features. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could argue that it's mobile as a dominant influencer in terms of like good application um, UX and UI and feature sets that we're trying to emulate. So I could definitely agree there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think it's the only influencer. Um, yeah, I, I'm getting a little lost in the rest of my train of thought, but the the core of it was that the web is mostly being influenced by native applications. And so we're, we're slowly learning how to do things like push notifications and mm-hmm. uh, screen locking and just all these like little things that native can do. Well, uh, yeah, teaching I mean, the web through, yeah, yeah, definitely. That, I mean, that's the, that's the, the beauty of things like PWAs. It's you, you're allowing a website to behave like an app, which is something that, you know, if someone said that I could do that, um, 10 years ago, I would have laughed. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I agree. 10 years ago, the best we had was like text shadow on the top and the bottom of the text. So it looked inset and chiseled. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh <laughs> gosh. Cringeworthy days. But <laughs> yeah, things were very clunky feeling, right? With all the texture and metal and mm. um, schemorphic design we were going towards. Yeah. Do you think we'll ever get to a point where, where one can't tell that they are actually running a website rather than running a, oh, it's a, already a website. Happened. Oh right. yeah. And in fact, I've been, I've been tricked and I have a very astute eye. My eye, um, the reason my eye is, is, is refined, at least in my opinion, is because of how many hybrid applications I've made. Right. Being at an agency, being at the startup, which was a, a hybrid web application, which we didn't use Cordova. We hand rolled everything. Like I've used Cordova. I've used PhoneGap. I've like used everything. And so I know all the telltale signs that something is not native. Mm-hmm. That being said, um, I was recently, this is like a couple months ago, uh, I used the GitHub uh, app to do a lot of my GitHub 
uh, or just a lot of my Git work because mm-hmm. I like making very visual commits. Like I'll be like, this file, here's what I did. Uh, it's hard to do on the command line. So I do that in this GitHub app. <laughs> I've always downloaded it. I, you know, I install it like a normal, normal native app. Mm. Um, but the other day, uh, what happened? Um, I, I noticed something, something glitched and I was like, what the heck is this a website? And I, um, sure enough, like I figured out how to spin up on the dev tools and there's the dev tools in this app I've been using for like two years. And I'm like, wow, this has been a web app the whole time. This is a web Git GUI. Yeah. I was like, that's amazing. Um, they have fooled me for this long. Kudos to them. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's definitely achievable. I've built prototypes too, that if, if you launched it from an iOS home screen and I didn't tell you, I don't think you'd know. <laughs> Brilliant. That Yeah, it's such an exciting time. It really is. I mean, I, talking from a perspective of a freelancer, these are all like toys in a candy in a candy shop, right? So, you mm-hmm. know, when you, you go and speak to clients and stuff, you know, there, there's so much more that you can you can put down as, as proposals and say, why don't you do it like this? Have you thought about doing it like that? And, and all, you know, did you know that the web can now do this and that and all this stuff? And you can attack problems in very different ways and, and you know, come up with different solutions because they are more available than they were, uh, you know, a good few years ago. Um, and, uh, you know, hats off to, to uh, Chrome and all the other browsers who are really pushing the uh, the envelope to, uh, to get this out. I mean... It, how how involved are you with the the cutting edge stuff? Super. super. Uh, well, in in two ways. So one one way that I'm <laughs> super in, uh, is that I get these emails every day from the Chrome. Uh, there's like a Chrome email list that you can subscribe to that tells you when something is going into experiment mode and when something is shipping mm-hmm. and other things like that. That's my favorite time of the day is reading these emails where I'm like, Chrome is shipping that? Or <laughs> oh, this is coming soon to Chrome? Mm-hmm. Um, and I get those emails. Those, are, uh, those aren't as soon as you can get them because you could be on the team that's engineering the feature. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, I'm watching those things and I'm super interested in those. And then the second thing is where I'm a little less involved, but I'm still talk to these folks and I watch what they do all day. There's an internal team that their focus is bringing native platform features to the web. Mm. They're very articulate. They're very open with what they're working on. And the, the stuff they're working on is fascinating to me. So I follow them and talk to them all the time. Like just yesterday, I pinged one of them and I was like, Hey, can uh, can push notifications have actions in them when there's when a service worker sends one? Can you say you know like okay or done? Like are there? And they're like yeah. And I was like, yo, you should build a game. I was like, you could build a text adventure game that's all push notifications, all sent with a service worker. Mm-hmm. Visit this website, say start the game, get a push notification. It's like all right, you turning left or right? And mm. you're like, oh, I don't know. I'm going to turn right. Push notification goes away. New push notification comes in. The whole game happens right there. The yeah. whole game is web-based. Awesome. And I'm like, anyway, so yeah. this that, stuff's really cool. That is awesome. That Yeah. I'm just thinking back to an app I built uh, last year. Um, and and had I have known what we could do this year, I, I wouldn't have gone down the route that I went down. Um, I, I used Alloy.js to build a, a very web looking, um, application. And we did that because, um, we, uh, we didn't want to employ or the client didn't want to employ, um, two developers, you know, iOS and Android. So, which is a very common judge judgment call. Um, because, you know, if you can do it in a cross platform, which does compile down to native stuff, but without all the all the complexities that um, the the native can offer, if you don't need all those things, then you may as well go cross platform. But thinking about the app now, I think that probably seventy five percent of that could have been done in in uh, in just a PWA, and that blows my mind. That really does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's um, yeah, it's awesome. Do, do you think do you think there'll ever be a time where we won't be writing cross-platform apps. We'll, we, we would just be writing PWAs. That's a fun question. I hope not, <laughs> although that does sound utopian. Um, <laughs> I like competition. Um, 
I also don't think we're that good at this yet. No. I mean, pause are giving us capabilities, but I think we still generally are. We don't respect software as much as we need to. Mm. And, and I mean that like consider somebody's coming out with a new vacuum product. Uh, they're going to go through maybe 50, maybe a hundred. And if we're lucky, like 400 vacuums before they're like, this is the vacuum. This is the vacuum that I want to make a million of. Yeah. And I want to put on the market and you know, we don't do that with software. Mm. We go, Hey, look, I made a vacuum. You want to try it? And it's like V1. You're like, sure. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. then we're like, okay, V2 comes out and we're just so casual with early, uh, early deployment of things. We let, uh, stuff break in users' hands all the time, and I don't know. So if if PWAs or PWAs or what help us um, get away from that and start to build resilient um, software, then I'm all for it. So far, what I can tell is that tools are awesome, um, but they're no guarantee. You know, you can choose a really great framework mm. and screw it up. You can choose native mm. and screw it up. Mm. You know, native is no guarantee that you're going to deliver something nice. Yeah, uh, the, there's the, a lot of poo-poo the, that's native. So these certainly aren't silver bullets. These, you know, the, you, you'll always have that that ability to screw something up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I guess if PWAs are the only future, I mean, they're very capable. Um, I don't know. I don't know what the future is. It's it's the future. Yeah, uh, it's exciting. I mean, there's something's going to change. There's no way this is it. We're not done. Yeah. Okay, so let's let's go back to a bit of uh, the old cascading style sheets then. Um, so, in your opinion, what is the most underused CSS feature? Do you want an old one or a new one? Oh, go both if you've got two. I mean, vertical align. You yep. can try writing it, uh, <laughs> and you can <laughs> you can put middle as a value. <laughs> Um, uh, but I think it's not used because it doesn't generally do what you think it does. Yeah. And so, <laughs> um, so yeah, that one's, that one's unused. Uh, other unused ones that are really cool. You know what I really like is carrot color. Nobody uses that one enough. Um, and that's so like, if you're in a text input, uh, you can change the color of the, the, the line that's blinking. Right. Oh, which wow. is something that native apps do all the time. You'll be in a native app and, uh, you know, you'll be on some very, you know, bright native app, and then they'll have a really cool hot pink cursor that's blinking. Mm. And I've seen people go, oh, we can't do that on on the web. And I'm like, yeah, you can. And it's one CSS property. It's like a walk in the park. <laughs> um, and so it's a nice layer of polish, but nobody really knows it's there. Uh, I like carrot color. It's it's cute. Yeah. I I, I must say I haven't heard of that. I'm, hands up. I, I haven't heard of that one. <laughs> I will check it out. And, that, and now on every, yep. on every website I build, there will be carrot color. <laughs> yeah. If you've got a brand color and a CSS variable uh, and you're styling the inputs, drop it in. Awesome. Awesome. So let's ask a little bit, a bit of a, an odd, odd question. If you were to rebuild your portfolio today, what tools would you use and why? Yes. Uh, I like this question. So let's just recap how my site is built. My site mm -hmm. is In, actually before you start. Sorry, what is yeah. your website? Let's let's say that. What's what's the URL? Oh, what is my portfolio? Yeah, uh, my portfolio right now is uh, really just a landing page with references to articles, and the articles are um, portfolio items. See, so there's client work. But what is and the so what really what is the URL? Oh, the URL is argyleinc.com. Well, here, wait, I have a few URLs now. It's uh, nerdy.dev. Cool. Uh, or argyle.inc. Right. Or, or argyleinc.com. So argyleinc.com is like the 15-year-old uh, URL domain I've been managing, but I got nerdy.dev recently and argyle.inc, which are kind of cool, little awesome. succinct versions. Yeah. Um, and it's just a static site. When you hit it, it does this thing that was really, so I built a lot of single page apps. I say spa, I say pa, spa, flaw. Anyway, uh, maybe <laughs> somebody knows what I'm talking about. So it's, it was, it, it was built with a spa mentality because that was so cool back in the day to mm -hmm. use Ajax to load content. Right. So the page is a static site that loads the header. It's everything above the fold loads and then everything below the fold lazy loads through Ajax. Right. Uh, I think it's even still using jQuery's Ajax to go grab HTML. So it's like a partial. So I have all these partials mm -hmm. uh, that get lazy loaded. 
and then they get drawn in and then there's this, uh, and they get drawn in in a masonry style. So that's the other things I needed them to be sort of JavaScript layout controlled anyway. So I might as well lazy load them in, mm-hmm. uh, and those render, they have a cool color effect as they, they c- come in. And when you click them, an SVG gets scaled up into view and then the article is loaded in. Mm. That's the, pretty much the extent of the website. So very document focused. Um, there are deep URLs, so you should be able to deep link to a destination, um, like a client page mm-hmm. and a few other requirements, but it's pretty light. If I was to rebuild it today, I would go Jamstack uh, 100%. So because the content doesn't change very often, mm-hmm. when the content does change, the whole site is cheap to rebuild. I mean, it's seconds. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I could just throw that whole result of that site up on the CDN, serve it from the edge. And now I don't care where you're coming from in the world. That thing is lightning fast. Yeah. And there's pretty much zero dependencies. There's like a couple of libraries used. One is to look at an image and see what the primary color is in it and extract that color and then use it in the CSS for the card of that element. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think a couple of, uh, I had a video, a couple of other small things, but it's really, really minimal. It's almost brutalist in it's sort of its design. And I would pick a stack that in this case, this, this site doesn't update very much. I'd go jam stack all the way. Yeah. Awesome. So, yeah. Yeah. That sounds really good. What kind of benefits of a Jamstack uh, do you get? Um, you know, if, if you were to redo it, what what kind of things would you be benefiting from using a Jamstack? Yeah, I'd be. Uh, so right now, my articles are Jade files that I go uh, edit, and then when I, you know, when those save, they output an HTML file, and then my main website loads those HTML files uh, lazily. With Jamstack, I wouldn't need to lazy load um, because I could combine everything at build time. Mm-hmm. So I could go dynamically through a directory of blog posts or whatever, uh, build those, and then take the result of those and inline them into the homepage. So I'd skip the whole concept of needing JavaScript to see the rest of my website. You'd see it immediately. That's not even adding that much page weight. Mm-hmm. Um other Jamstack benefits is my content would be separated from my posts. So right now my posts and my content are very tightly um, integrated and I could split those out. So I could sort of make a schema for what a post looks like, author that over here. Is that way my console, right? What here's an issue I have is if I go refactor my website, I have to go pull my articles out of Jade. Right. Uh, and then into whatever new template engine I decide to go with. Yeah. If I had split my content up to where I had, you know, a headless CMS or I had my content in YAML files or I had my content separated from presentation, mm-hmm. I would be more free to move about in a in a new front end strategy because uh, my front end is separated from my front end content and yeah. then I could iterate here and just consume. Mm-hmm. Um, so it kind of abstracts the relationship. It allows one to move without the other one. Um, I could migrate my my data somewhere else and build a whole different front end. Um, lots of interesting reasons um, to go Jamstack in terms of performance. Uh, you could just great articles on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. Is that good? You want me to keep yeah, going? Yeah, no, no, that's good. That's good. I'm, I'm glad. You, right. I'm glad you um, <laughs> you pulled out the uh, the decoupling of the content and the design because I mean that's something that. Um, with the, these static sites and all this stuff, there there is that there is that sort of element where you are having to sort of code uh, very close to the design, and it's it's it can be once once you have a big static site with several articles, it does get a bit tricky when you go and refactor it, like you mentioned. Um, in fact, you know, in some cases, you might have to write a script in order to pull out the actual content from the design. And, and oh that, yeah, and, I've scraped and sanitized and mm, yeah, yeah, and that isn't fun because because it no. never never works in the first on the first run. <laughs> yeah, it's a uh, it's one of those things that it's code debt, right? You mm. you're gonna get somewhere now, and everyone will be happy. Your client and will pay you, and then a couple months later, after they've written ten more articles, all these new little edge cases start to show up, and that quick little win turns into months of baggage. Definitely. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's the convenience, uh, factor that, that wins over. And then after that, you start thinking, actually, I can't, this isn't, this isn't as extendable as I would have, would have liked. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it, it's a very trial and error process. Um, 
But uh, yeah, Jamstack sounds sounds awesome. Sounds really good. Um, okay, so are you are you able to mention any? Um, just going back to the CSS a bit. Are you able to mention any of the uh, upcoming features in Chrome? Yeah, I definitely can. So um, there's a there's a ton. Chrome is constantly riffing on things. So okay, so we've got Houdini. Mm-hmm. Houdini is incomplete. There's three layers to Houdini, Houdini that we didn't really talk about. There's uh, layout, paint, and animation. Okay. Those are your three hooks that you can hook into the engine with. Um, layout is still getting worked on. Uh, so Chrome also just recently rebuilt their whole layout engine, well, half of it. And um, it's been that, that part of the layout engine had been around for years and years and years, and they just refactored it. So that's an interesting little tidbit I don't think a lot of people know. Cool. Um, it's called layout ng. Um, what that did though, is that sets up a, a stronger foundation for Houdini to continue doing its iteration. So soon we'll see, um, a layout worklet. We already have an animation worklet, and then we also have a paint worklet as well. Um, those things you can go test out, but what, what you don't know is that these are also unlocking other things in terms of CSS. So we have, um, here's a fun thing to think about. Mm-hmm. And you can go preview this uh, in Canary if you turn on a couple flags. Is when you animate in the browser, you can say at keyframes, and you say uh, you just create an animation in there. Now, what you don't really have visibility or the or, or information about is what's the loop like? Right. That, like, where's the tick? Something is ticking that's driving my animation to progress and have a concept of time. You can go experiment today with something called the scroll timeline, meaning the tick is the scroll position. So as someone scrolls a page with the mouse wheel, that sends information to your keyframe loop, and now your animation will play at the rate of a scroll fire event. It's super cool. Wow, okay. Uh, but it's it's this concept that other timelines are coming to CSS. Oh, oh, wow. Okay, that sounds awesome. That that yeah, that, yeah. Cool. M- yeah. My mind is going into various directions now. Um, yep. <laughs> yeah. Well, when I was at uni, we did um, we did all sorts of uh, games, uh, built games using Flash, using um, you know Action Script and and mm-hmm. manipulating the timelines and having having timelines in timelines in timelines, right? So you would have an animation of the button within an animation of another animation and, and so yeah, forth. Yeah, the movie clip concept, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, gosh. Yeah, that's that that that's quite a game changer. <laughs> I think so too. There's, there's more animation stuff coming too. Um, yeah, and it's crazy. Like one of the things I proposed was um, motion blur. So I'd like to see CSS have a concept of almost something you turn on in a Boolean fashion. You just say, I want it on this layer. And then as that moves around, uh, the graphics engine does the processing to determine how fast did the pixel move and how much should it be blurred. Right. Something that's impossible to do with JavaScript. Yeah. Huh. Um, Gosh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Super cool stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's um, uh, there's folks that want color functions to come in. So instead of using SAS color functions or other ones like that, it would be the ability to use them natively in the browser, which would mean they tie in with your custom properties and they mm. could be dynamically evaluated instead of statically uh, evaluated like they are now. Nice. That would be really cool. Um, there's so Chrome is also working on you know of course better uh, dev tools. Um, they're working on design dev tools, so being inspired by VizBug. Right. Um, there's performance benefits and performance-related uh, things happening all over, too. So I mentioned, like, the layout engine getting uh, updated to layout ng. There's still work happening at the layout engine, so they want to make it even faster. Um, awesome. Oh, man, the list goes on. They yeah. have backdrop filters coming out soon. They've got... Uh, uh, scroll snap points came out, but it also now we have scroll snap points and the ability to specify how many it can jump. Right. So you can, uh, I, they're going crazy. There's a lot of teams doing a lot of stuff. Uh, yeah, on so, Chrome. It's, so that this is going to get to a point, I think where writing C, uh, CSS is more powerful than writing 
uh, an app in a native language in in, in some cases i'm going to put it, i'm just putting it out there i think it's going to get to a point where you can do more and and far quickly more efficiently in css than you could possibly do in in say a native a native uh, mobile language is that something that you concur with or have i just no, I definitely do. The, um, when Flexbox came out, it was a competitor for, for me. So native layout engines like Android have auto layout. Uh, it's a constraint-based layout, and this is an advantage that they had for a long time. They were like, here's some space, uh, distribute. You know, like that was really cool. We didn't really have that. Uh, Flexbox gave us that, so we had this uh, competitive nature with constraint-based layouts. But what native doesn't have that CSS Grid let it, lets us do is twofold. So first, it gives us all these int- intrinsic properties where you can uh, create relationships based on the content that's intrinsic there, which is amazing in its own. But you have this ability to create very large layouts, and you have um, very expressive uh, ways to describe how to consume the space on the screen. And so you've got this orchestration layer. I've been thinking of it recently like – um, I don't know how much you know DevOps and backend, but we have Kubernetes as this really popular thing and Docker. Mm-hmm. Uh, I see Docker being equivalent to the web component or Docker being equivalent to a component coming out of any framework and Kubernetes being CSS grid where it's the orchestrator and the thing that's sort of saying, no, here's your relationships together. Let me, you know, you go next to here, you can have a relationship. And um, yeah, so yeah, CSS grid that. being the mortar Docker yeah. being the brick type of thing, yeah. Docker being the brick. That is, yeah, I'm digging that. I'm digging that. It's a it's a lovely world you paint. <laughs> <It's> a, <laughs> awesome. I, I think we're past native at this point even in a way. Like native, um, it, it was weird too, Apple recently deciding that they're not going to have one operating system that's consistent across their devices. They're like, oh, no, our big tablet gets its own now. Mm. And I was like, oh, that's... It makes me a little sad. I liked that they had this sort of um, uniform operating system. And, and it makes me wonder if the large screen was just too hard for things like a layout engine that wasn't ever ready for something that big. Okay. You know, if, um, so I don't know. I'm curious there. But I, I, I feel that we have the strongest tools ever and maybe even in the industry in terms of laying things out and getting UI work done. Mm-hmm we've got it made other than that we have to target multiple engines. I think that's the, it's the biggest trade-off. Yeah. Native, you get to work with the platform. Yeah. You'll never have to mess with it on another platform unless you go coded for that platform. That one, there's definitely something to be said for working on native stuff because, you know, you are working against the, the raw kit, you know, and, 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 and so you can get quite finite with, with what you can do. Um, mm-hmm. I think there'll always be a, a point where we, one needs to work on native stuff, but, but I, I think that there is a, a big push, a real big march with this PWA stuff and uh, cross platform. And I think that in some cases we'll definitely see a, well, we are seeing a, you know, an overtake. Um, yeah. And it's happening so fast. It really fast. It's, yeah. it's insane. Like if I, if I, I, I'm, I, I class myself as a full stack dev and I only do that for the, for the, for the CV and the, and the, the job, you know, titles and stuff. Um, but there is so much to do with front end that I'm just not aware of. And it's scary it, it because it's like, I, I would need to really relearn a lot of stuff because I still, um, I would, I would just code stuff as the way I thought I could code stuff a few years ago. And that isn't the case anymore. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's a very weird shift. I mean, we're going to have people who come out of university or self-taught devs who are more uh, more aware of the stuff that are people like myself who've been in the game for many many years who who've been working on um, certain certain projects that are very pigeonholed. Um, and and so aren't aware, haven't been able to put their head above the above the sand, if it will, if you if if you know what I mean. Um, mm-hmm. And it's always this case of you know you're trying to catch up with yourself all the time. It's like there's another thing that comes out. Okay, I need to read about that, and I need to learn that, and and all this stuff. <laughs> 
So yeah, yeah I a, empathize. Yeah. It's a very exciting time for developers. It is. Yeah, we're we've got the the most potential and the most opportunity and the most amount of tools and the most amount of teaching that we've ever had. Yeah. Um, and it's still hard. You know, like that's one thing I I noticed is that so yeah, being in agencies and being at consultancies and sometimes being pigeonholed into building something legacy or inheriting um, some architecture and having to work with that. I always, uh, I was always split with how I thought about it because half of me appreciated the perspective that it gave me. Mm. Um, and a a large part of my mentality is any code I'm writing is good code. It's, it's healthy for me to be learning Ruby or PHP. Like I can go write any code anywhere and feel good and learn something about it. Mm. Um, which I think is a little unique. Um, but it plays into the, all these frameworks like where sometimes things look really shiny and folks sell it to you like it's solving all these problems. Um, but from what I can tell, it's all still really hard um, and everything has trade-offs. And so I don't think you should feel uh, bad about being in a scenario where you felt pigeonholed. There was plenty to learn there and it informed mm-hmm. your your future self. And then your future self might try new things and then reflect back on what you learned in that pigeonhole moment and maybe it will empower you to make a decision uh in the future you you just never know uh, mm, how this stuff mm, all comes together mm, definitely i'm just like gather it in mode i'm just like ah yeah. oh, give me all the knowledge um and i'll take it in at the rate that i can take it and just uh i don't know go from there like a big sponge yeah i like it and a sponge <laughs> yeah. excited i'm an excited sponge oh i'm spongebob squarepants <laughs> I'm I'm SpongeBob. You need to you need to get that tattooed on your arm. I just <laughs> oh, there's no room. On there's no one. room. <laughs> well, Adam, it was fantastic speaking to you. Um, have you got any other uh, points that you want to raise? Anything you want to mention at all? Any social media links that uh, you want to put through? I mean, no. I'm I'm decently vocal on Twitter. I I share a lot of the things I learn. I study a lot. I write a lot of code. I write a lot of JavaScript. I write a lot of. I just man, I'll, I'll code in any framework anywhere. But ultimately what I want to be doing is making UI and helping you learn UI. I guess, yeah, follow me on Twitter because I'll be sharing some interesting um, learning materials soon that'll help you ramp up on new and advanced CSS stuff, advanced JavaScript stuff, yeah, uh, and layout stuff. I, I have a, a layout guide I've been working on. I'm really excited about to help people conquer macro and micro layouts because I think we don't always distinguish them um, anyway, the word needs broken down. That, we that's, need some more studies. That, yeah, on, that on sounds layout. that sounds like another podcast. That sounds sounds like another topic to to, to another rabbit hole to go down. Um, right. What's your what's your social media handle? What's your Twitter handle? Yeah, so Twitter handle is Argyle Inc. A R G Y L E I N K. Awesome. I'll put links to all of these in the show notes and in the on the screen here as well, and I'll put your your profile bits and pieces in too. Thanks ever so much, Brad. Adam, for coming on. It was amazing to talk to you. And thanks ever so much uh, for watching on the YouTubes and listening on the podcast. Happy coding, everyone. I'll see you again soon. Cheers. Bye.